Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry. Only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands. All hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and we have a full house today. Paddy Sinnott, John Hughes, Patrick McGill. Welcome to the show. One or two things to discuss after last night. Um, no matter what happens, 12.30 every weekday, a Celtic State of Mind goes live. Win, lose or draw. Last night it was a loss. And we're going to be speaking about the game in isolation to begin with. Uh, where did it all go wrong last night? And then some of the wider issues. Uh, Paddy Sinnott, obviously... Up until 82 minutes, we had managed to to keep it at nothing-nothing, uh, um, scoreless kind of draw at that stage. But I think even if it was to have ended um, nothing each, you would have still been able to pick holes in the performance and where we were weak. Um, but of course, Immobile came in and scored a brace, showed his class. We lack quality. This is the word that keeps coming up now, Paddy, quality. Um <clears throat> In isolation, looking at the game last night, what was your thoughts? Where do you start? Um, okay, granted, the the team selection was heavily hampered with injuries and the suspension to Palma. I take all that into account, but let's face it, we're only fa- we're only facing a, a Lazio side that's exactly five and all cylinders. They actually had their, their worst result. Well, what the Italian media are saying is one of the worst results in um, their history against Salernitana on uh, on Saturday when they lost two one. Who and they were bottom of the league, um, and yet we couldn't even muster up any any sort of one player fight, knowing that we had to get in this game to win, knowing that it was one of bust, but there just didn't seem to be any any urgency, any real penetration. Um, the fact that, and I wrote about this last night, and I, I kind of regret writing about it now, is that when you're getting told James Forrest is your is your most potent attacking threat. Um, that doesn't really bode well for for for, for the future. Um, I didn't even know what he said about that game last night. Must win. It looks like as if we were just into that game, hoping not to lose rather than trying to win it. Last night, when we were talking about it, John, we were talking about uh, a maturity, a, a pragmatism in that we were able to, I think, contain. Actually, we certainly didn't look like an attacking force, John. Uh, Kyogo, anonymous again. I've been standing up for him because I don't think our style of play is suiting him right now. He's not getting into the, the game. He's not involved enough, anywhere near enough. Then when he drops a wee bit deeper, he starts to get involved. I mean, when you're looking at last night, yeah, hampered by injury, absolutely take that one on the chin. Uh, there are players who would have improved our starting at 11 who are on the treatment table. Rio Atate, Lila Bada, Maid is obviously suspended, Palmer's uh, suspended. But that's not the root of the problem, John, is it? It's the fact that, you know, we are calling on guys that should have been put out to grass a while ago. Um, by the way, Mikey Johnson came on and looked direct and looked as though he, he wanted to try and do something and he looked positive. But we should not be still relying on him as an option 
in this if, at this stage. If that bench was any weaker, it'd be condemned as a health hazard. Uh, you know, it, it's really, really poor. Um, and for us to be in this situation, it's just really unacceptable. And we've been over the reasons why. But let's stick to the game um, for the moment. Um, again, the fact that Mikey Johnson comes on and actually delivers uh, more of a, a direct threat straight away. I mean, James Forrest can't go past a man. You know, he can run into space, but he can't go past a man. And the ball, it bounces off him. Like it's, uh, you know, again, like some sort of uh, dog's toy, bitch toy, you know, it just bounces off him. He can't hold a ball up. And he's been put in... The, the, the trouble with that is in those situations, you're under pressure. He's receiving the ball with two or three guys close to him. So you need to be able to... You know, pull out a trick or you know, pull out a bit of pace to get past him. He can't do those things. So, Mikey Johnson came on and looked uh, better straight away. And to be fair, I know everyone's going to be freaking out. And Mikey Johnson, maybe Mikey Johnson is coming on to a game. Certainly, when he came on to, at the weekend, uh, you know, he uh, got won a penalty and set up what should have been the winner. Uh, because when Yang missed that point blank header. Uh, but essentially, last night was, I mean, I, I didn't think we'd any chance, really. We didn't look as if we had any chance at any point. Uh, you know, any any chances, you know, literal chances that we did make uh, were really, weren't great. Kyogo had a, a drag past um, late on. I think CCB had a header. O had a snapshot. Mm -hmm. You know, these are, these are half chances, really. Half chances, yeah. And... Again, going back to the way we're playing at the moment, the reason why we can't score is because we don't create enough chances. Because if you're creating two or three chances in the game, chances are you're not going to win that game. Uh, because if you think about it, if you look back to when um, you know we were, like, let's say, flying under Ange in a system that suited Kyogo, Kyogo would miss three chances a game by himself. You know, uh, before he scored, uh, or you know, round about the score, and you know, we have to. We don't have the players, really. We don't have the immobiles of the world who are going to come on and have a couple of goals and have a couple of goals. We just don't have that. So we need to be creating chances in order to be effective, and we are completely blunt at the moment. Last night, you know, again, I mean, I'm not sure anyone really believed we had any sort of a chance. Lazio um, are really poor and on a really poor run of form. Yeah. Uh, they have one good player. Um, to come on, scored two, uh, and uh, you know that that's really the difference. I mean, we could definitely have held them nil nil if he hadn't come on, but they didn't need to. They felt as if they didn't need to start him against us, um, and that's because we didn't really present a threat to them. And they're right about that. Uh, we didn't really present a threat to them, even though they're garbage. Um, so you know, I, I thought. They were poor. I thought we did sort of well to hold on. I know that you and Kev were talking about mature performance and all the rest of it. I just thought it was a performance where we're, you know, we're trying not to get beat against a, a really sort of poor team. Uh, and, you know, I'm surprised Lazio have the points that they have in that group, to be fair. But they're just, they're not very good, especially without Immobile. Um, so I, I didn't really see us... Uh, delivering anything from that game. I don't know, maybe, uh, you know, call me like Mystic Meg, or maybe it's the run of 15 games we've had now uh, where we've managed to gather three points and three draws and 12 losses. Uh, you know, you could take something like that as a benchmark, but obviously, you know, how that wouldn't be fair, because uh, as Peter says, you know, we're dead competitive in some of these games, aren't we? And all the boys afterwards apparently get a wee participation medal. Well done, lads. You know, <laughs> uh, a wee pat the head from Peter. Well done. You were dead competitive for bits of that. You, you, you won't tell you that. You know, you tried it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pathetic. And I don't blame, and just to get this clear, Paul John, because I say this all the time, but, you know, what people in the comments pick up different things in different ways. I am not blaming the players. Uh, and I didn't blame the players before. I don't blame the players now. The, at this level, they're simply not good enough. You know, it's not their fault they're not good enough. They didn't sign this themselves. Is the realization. 
This you is know, the realization. Yep. So, uh, you know, and the, the manager, you could take some pots at some of his uh, decision making. Uh, and his, I mean, the first thing is it really bugs me is the insistence in 4 3 3 when we've got no decent wingers. You know, why are we playing 4 3 3? Why is James Forrest in the team? You know, we have 101 midfielders and we're playing 4 3 3 with no wingers and wingers in one leg. You know, it's just it's beyond me why they make that decision. Um, so you can take individual pops and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, you know, when a Mobley come on against a tiring defence, um, you know, that, that guy's absolute quality and he was going to take something. So, you know, we're, we're just not at the races and we know the reasons why, uh, but we'll get to those later. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we were 20 seconds late in going live because obviously somebody had infiltrated the email invite to John Hughes. Uh, they didn't want you to speak about the board today, John, I don't <laughs> think. But we're going to be speaking about the board. Uh, once we've uh, dissected last night's performance, um, having been given Patrick's thoughts, we're going to be looking at the ambition of the board. What is it exactly they aim to achieve um, at the helm for Celtic? We're also we're going to have to look at the recruitment because it's not been good enough. Uh, there's a few things I was looking at over... Uh, the last 24 hours, that are astonishingly bad. Um, we need to look at the gaffer because I think that Brendan Rodgers is one thing that the club has got right, the appointment personally. If you disagree, you know, fire away in the comments section. But it's almost like he's in the wrong movie at the moment. What do we do in January to put some of this right? Not all of it, because some of these issues are deep-rooted. And what about the support, the relationship with the support, the Green Brigade issue rumbles on but Celtic fans uh, on the social media and within the WhatsApp groups that I'm involved in were unhappy with the lack of support from the club last night when they were in Rome and then we'll have a wee look at the youth because we simply are failing in that department and we are not producing anybody that can come in and uh, make a difference because that for me is a, is a massive issue at the moment it's something that Celtic need to utilise better and we're not um, going into the game last night, Patrick, John spoke about this insistence on sticking to playing two wingers, even when your two wingers are James Forrest and Gang. Now, again, I agree with John, right? You're putting these, not, not so much Forrest, you're putting a guy like Yang into a position where he does not look comfortable um, at that level last night. First half, I thought he was scared. Um, he lacked a bit of courage. He wasn't shown enough for the ball. Second half came into it, um, did have a good chance, but again, probably should have been a wee bit more, um, not greedy, but for me, that's a shot. He needs to get that on target. He plays it across the face of goal and, and the chance is gone. He was in the game a wee bit uh, more in the second half, but I was surprised he was kept on uh, for as long as he was. Um, although we didn't go into it with a different shape, Patrick, we did contain him in the first half, so job done. But we we were not an attacking force. And, and this is a team that for the last couple of years... We've been used to seeing, you know, with a flair and an entertaining style of play and being able to cut open defences. I've seen none of that last night, Patrick. Yeah, our problem last season was not being able to take our chances. Um, you know, we had so yeah. many chances, particularly in the two Shakhtar games. Decent couple of chances against, both, uh, against Real Madrid in both games. Uh, Leipzig, I thought we could have got a couple of points from them as well. The problem was the defence. And the problem is still the defence. We're still leaking two goals a game minimum. But we can't score, we can't create a chance. And I agree with you, pretty much the only chance of the game was that Yang header about five minutes into the second half. And it's a bit of a narrow angle, but you probably should be going for a goal there. The keeper's sort of struggling to get over to that side. Um, so it's like it's like Groundhog Day. You know, we're just analysing the same problems over and over after every European game. Uh, I think the last one in the Champions League was away to Anderlecht about six years ago now. Which was also a last clean sheet, so I think that tells you something. We can't we can't defend at this level, uh, and I think I we have we've conceded two goals in every single game in this group, and then obviously six against Madrid away. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, we were we were toothless going forward last night, and as much as we contained them, I thought I thought Neil Lennon was spot on in the after match um, analysis. They were quite passive; they were poor side. I mean, if you think back to Martin O'Neill's team and maybe even Strachan's team, they'd be sitting second in this group quite comfortably. Because Feyenoord, as much as they're... I think people rate Feyenoord quite highly, but certainly from what I've seen, they're not that good a team. And Latsu are absolutely rotten. I agree with John. I don't know how they'd get 10 points. I mean, we've gifted them six, in all fairness. But yeah, two very poor teams 
for once, we get a really lucky draw in the group stage and we gave ourselves a real chance. Because um, I thought last season's draw was quite good, but this season was even better. And, you know, as I think we all agree, the, the recruitment's been absolutely woeful. Um, you know, we, we went out and we got probably the best manager we could have got. We get lucky because he's a Celtic fan. He's been here before. He wanted to come back. Um, if he didn't, God knows what manager we would have ended up with. Um, but unfortunately, the recruitment's been extremely poor. And we've been unlucky with injuries and suspensions, especially for this game. But, you know, the planning and the signings the last three windows have been incredibly poor. I mean, I think Alistair Johnson and Palmer out of about 20 players signed are the only two you could say are first-team players. And even then, mm-hmm. Alistair Johnson seems to have fallen off a cliff in Europe this season. I thought it was brilliant the first six months, but just about all of our goals in the last couple of games have came from the right-hand side. And I don't know what's happened to the guy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, something obviously has to happen with the recruitment team. I know we're uh, trying to develop Barryfield to try and improve the youth system. That's another thing that's been shockingly poor in the last, well, 10, 15 years. You can only really point to Tierney and McGregor as success stories there. So there's a lot to improve and it, it's mainly recruitment for me. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, after the game, um, you're on the, the bulletin and you're frustrated, but then you take to the WhatsApp groups, uh, Paddy, and you get some great points being made, even in the emotion of it all. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you we're talking about recruitment. Patrick's mentioned recruitment there. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And I think you're right. I just don't think it's the last uh, transfer window. I think it actually goes on uh, two or three, probably three transfer windows. And, you know, the subject around Matt Lowell was raised at the AGM uh, party. So let's have a wee chat about recruitment. I sent a message last night and it was basically looking at um, kind of this time last year, the last home game of the Champions League campaign against Shakhtar Donetsk. And, you know, when you look at the the actual um, squad list, uh, you think to yourself, wow, we have we have been diminished quite a bit since uh, on the back of the programme, Celtic squad list. You've got guys and they are no longer in the building, Carol Starfelt. Listen, Maurice Jens, I'm not going to include him in the big list. Uh, Yakamakis obviously was at the club. Aaron Moy, Jota, um, you go down that list, there's more. You've got, uh, obviously, Maeda and Hatati were unavailable last night. But uh, Josip Juranovic as well. So we we have, uh, for me, been weakened since then. And you look at a team like Shakhtar Donetsk, they, they spent €12 million Euros in the summer transfer window, um, Paddy, but they can get a result in Europe. So... You know, it's not for me, you know, when people say to me, and it's normally board apologists, they say to me, we, we can't compete. And it's almost like we can't compete, so why try? You can compete better than we are. We are punching way below our weight at this point Definitely. in time. I mean, we've never once said that we would ever win the Champions League ever. I mean, that, the, the days are long gone, long gone for a team, team like ours. But what we certainly can do is, is make a better fist of yourself, show, show a better... A better performance in Europe, and we can certainly take some scouts. And we've beat better teams um, than Lazio last night. We even well, our worst diminished squad. I mean, remember the time we beat Barcelona two one, and we had Effie Ambrose and Kelvin Wilson centre back, and we started with um, who was it up front again? Can't remember the point. Miku, Miku up front, and we still managed to get a result. So we can do it. Um, it has been done, and okay, I know it was, that was what twelve years ago, eleven years ago. But it shouldn't be beyond us to be able to beat a team like Lazio or even a team like Feyenoord um, as well. Um, the recruitment is a, is, has been a has been a, a bit of a bugbear, and I think the message that's been sent out 
last night, and, and it's not just last night, probably within the last two weeks or so, where Rogers is continually talking about needing quality um, added to his squad. He was at pains to, uh, to, to, to point out the AGM that every signing that Celtic had made this season was done under his watch, was signed off by him. And if he's mm. sitting there uh, uh, after every Champions League game telling us we still need quality, what message is that sending to the guys that he signed there the summer? They must be sitting there thinking, well, you signed me. You, clearly, you don't think I'm good enough. So that sort of thinking, that sort of psyche can 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 affect players' confidence, maybe how they look at the manager or whatever. I mean, looking at last night, I think only two players who Rogers signed started last night. By the end of the 90 minutes, none of them were on the park. That tells you all you need to know about the recruitment. We didn't sign players for the Champions League this season. We signed players to keep them top of the Scottish Premiership, and that is it. We're just happy to beat the party. Paddy, that, that's the point, right? So there's all these terms getting thrown about. People don't like project signing. Okay, I get it, right? But you're signing players who you can develop to sell on at a profit, right? And we call them progress players or projects, right? And they're often good enough for a domestic game. Often, you know, there's been plenty who have not been. And what we need, we needed players who were ready to make that step into the Champions League arena. Now, it doesn't have to be 10, 15, 20 million pounds. Matt O'Reilly's never looked to place in Champions League. Rio Atati's never looked to place in the Champions League. This season was a bit stop-start. Um, so I don't buy into that uh, that kind of thought process that you need to be spending 15, 20, 25 million pounds. The recruitment's not been good enough. And the point I made last night um, was, right, John, we're always going to have season on season, some guys want to leave because they're coming to the end of their cycle. They've been sold a dream. You come to Celtic, we develop you, we give you Champions League experience, you move on. And that's happened with some players that we wouldn't have been, uh, for me, it wouldn't have been wise to keep them. So they've been sold on and away they go. Some of the guys that, that I mentioned that played against Shakhtar Donetsk, for example. But what we've done is we've gone out there and we've signed uh, nine players in the summer. And I, I shared the minutes with you guys earlier on the, this morning. So... Odin Holmes played 322 minutes. Tilio, one minute. Quan, zero. Novoski, albeit injured, 247. Lagerbelk, 529. Phillips, 270. Bernardo, 382. Not even our player. So the total amount for those seven guys, 1,751 minutes or the equivalent of 20 games. Now, you look at how much we've actually paid for them. 12.3 million plus a loan transfer fee for Bernardo plus a loan transfer fee for Phillips, taking up to about 15 million plus wages, and we have got 20 games of football out of that clutch of players. And uh, uh, not that many of the, the games that they've played have been in Europe. That's not good enough, John. That's actually a waste of 20 million quid. Well, I mean, was it Alan Morrison says you, can, you can't even uh, properly assess a player until he's played 900 minutes. Uh, you know, so none of them even measure up to that. No. Uh, there's been some bizarre things. I mean, Bernardo coming in last night. Now, I understand, I think, why he's playing Bernardo uh, for talk's sake because uh, he's very defensive, yeah, very capable. He was he was, he was, was good in Europe previously, but then he doesn't play at all in between then and now. He's just there for European games. Has he got something in his contract that says he's got to play in the Champions League? You know, I, I do. you do wonder if he's got something on his loan contract. I don't think that's that ridiculous because he's played he's, more Champions he League games than domestic games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's just... It's, just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre. And, you know, they obviously must think that home's slightly more creative, which is why he's playing them in the, in the league. But in terms of, you know, even, even our league form, at the moment, really, the only reason we can have any confidence in where the league's going to end up is because... Our competitors are so poor, and that is not where we should be. We should be under our own steam, not having to really think about that, just being confident in our own ability to get results. And we can't be at the moment. We just can't be. So, you know, we're not playing well, particularly well there domestically at the weekend. That kind of performance just you just can't have that. And what is that? As someone said, we've dropped more points this year than we did in the whole of last year. So we've dropped more points already than we did in the whole of last year. Um, so, I mean, I just think that's, you know, what. and Brendan's talking about, he's going on, he says, oh, he wants players to come here, wants quality players. Now, what I'm hoping has happened is Brendan came in, uh, was uh, flummoxed by how professional looking uh, the recruitment department is, and, uh, you know, maybe he was impressed by that. But now he's got an idea of exactly what it is that they're bringing in. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping he's silently fuming 
uh, and about to uh, make his mark in January. Because if he doesn't, I don't see the point of him. There's no point in having him here rather than anybody else because we could be sitting picking holes in decisions that another manager's made during the game, uh, the same as we can pick holes in his. So if he's not here to take control of that uh, and bring that quality, ultimately it's his responsibility regardless of Mark Global. Right? If Mark Global's not doing the job, he needs to punt him on. Um, you know, and get someone in to do the job. That should be dead easy conversation to have with uh, So, you know... <laughs> the email I, never reached him, John. The email never reached him. It's the memo. Pure, pure Lowell Walker. <laughs> sorry, sorry, busy. I'll just get you later. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, uh, but, I mean, it's just bizarre that we have this situation where, you know, he's sitting there talking about quality. You were in charge of the transfer window. You had the whole summer to get it done, and you didn't get it done. So if the site's lacking quality, it's nobody else's fault except you and the board for not sanctioning the, the level of signing that you would want. Now, so you need to establish then, if what he's saying is we need more quality, is he now saying that it's the board's fault because they didn't give him the money that he wanted? Because that was not the noises he was making before. He was not saying that. He would say, oh, no, great, really efficient. It's been great, been so impressed, all the rest of it, grand. Uh, the end result of that is we are still a joke in Europe. And the one thing, Patrick, I, I disagree with you on, it's not Groundhog Day in as much as Groundhog Day was funny. Uh, and this is anything but. Um, you know, and we, we also have issues, by the way, with form. At the moment, uh, you're talking about AJ playing poorly, which I think he has been... Taylor is just, he's done and dusted under this system. You know, unless he's playing inverted, or they move him to a midfield role. I don't know why he's still at left. He's only at left back because our other guy is a left winger um, who prefers going fast in his car rather than fast on the pitch. Uh, so, you know, I have no idea. I mean, Greg Taylor, he's an absolute 100% liability and everybody targets him now because they know that. Yep. You know, so... We have such obvious weaknesses. I don't think O'Reilly's really been playing uh, particularly well. Um, but, you know, if you look at, I mean, yeah, I don't know if the Denmark game sort of um, hit his confidence a wee bit. He didn't play well there. Uh, one of the goals he gave away is directly as a result of a mistake he made when they lost 2-0 in Northern Ireland. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think he's playing particularly well. I don't think Calmac's playing particularly well. Uh, whoever's in that third slot, slot usually isn't playing particularly well because they don't have any time. You know, the, 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 you know we're expecting miracles from Mikey Johnson, who's played about three times in eight years. Um, you know, we did have like Tilio on the other wing, who may well be the best Oompa Loompa ever to escape from the chocolate factory, but <laughs> it's, it's not really the size or the athletic size that we need. Now, I know there's been brilliant. You know, our best player was a wee guy. You had the Messi's and Maradona's, but you need to be in this day and age. You need to be that good if you are that small, uh, because everyone else there are unbelievably brilliantly talented players who are big and athletic and strong, and that's who you're up against at the top level. So I, I don't expect to see much of him, to be fair. Um, you know, there's there's problems in every single area of the pitch. Um, I mean, if you look at even the centre-backs, um, CCV made a couple of mistakes last night. Uh, also, uh, Liam Scales was caught out a couple of times, one time for the goal as well. Um, but these, again, these are these are not the quality players they're used to playing against. And so, uh, you know, you can give some degree of sympathy for that. But we, if we can't score, if we can't defend and we can't score, as Patrick pointed out, that's a wee bit of a problem in a game of football. Do you know what I mean? You need to yeah, be able never, to do something. Never you mind know, scoring, you, we can't even create, never mind score. Well, that's this it. Is it. That's Not it. a single clear-cut chance in that first no. half, Paddy. And then, obviously, in the second half, a couple of chances in the first six minutes. But as John said, there were more half chances, uh, you know, Kyogo and Yang. I'm going to pick up on a point that, that John made there about uh, the kind of physicality of players. And Alan Morrison raised it at the beginning. In fact, the end of last season, he had concerns about a lack of physicality in the midfield. Uh, Patrick, so... Greg Taylor, for me, I'm watching him with interest. I think that, you know, that 
he and Joe Hart have come in for a lot of criticism this season. I don't think they were the wrong signings at the time. I really don't. And I, and I think that both players, uh, over particularly the last two seasons, Joe Hart obviously has only been here for the last two, have done the job that they were brought here to do. But what happened was that there came a point in proceedings where uh, the recruitment team, the gaffer, or both realised that we either had to find a good challenger for the jersey or we had to replace them. And it's the replacements I've got an issue with. So you brought in Benji Segrist, right? He's played two games of football for Celtic. He's never challenged Joe Hart, not once. And quite frankly, if you're going to bring someone in and people say, oh, but it was a free transfer, you've been paying that guy's wages for the best part of two years and he's played two games of football and he's not challenged the jet. That's a massive red flag for me in terms of recruitment. We shouldn't be talking about scrambling about either this January because it probably won't happen or in the summer for a new goalie. That should have happened a year ago when we signed Seagrest. And the same can be said for Burnaby that, that John mentioned earlier on. Five foot five inches, right? Now, one, one of Greg Taylor's biggest issues, and I, I watched it last night, it was so obvious last night, out-muscled. Out-muscled every single time. He got his booking because the guy out-muscled him. And he, there was no way he was going to get back into position, so he just dragged him down. And it happens numerous times in a game. Now, by the way, with the ball at his feet, as an inverted kind of fullback playing in more in a, a midfield position, he, he looks like a tidy player. But in the Champions League, Patrick, you need to have that level of athleticism that John's talking about. How do we replace him? We buy a guy for the best part of four million quid who's smaller than him, right? Who's got less positional awareness than him. And according to his rap sheet when he appeared at court, he's on eight grand a week. Now, by the way, you can't judge it. If I was getting eight grand a week, I'd be delighted. But seeing the great scheme of things on Champions League level, that's the wrong tier of player to bring in to improve your side, Patrick. So the recruitment is a massive issue right now. And, you know, I'm going to go back to another point John made. Brennan Rogers took ownership of it. He's now slowly, you know, trying to fritter away at that ownership by saying, I need more quality, I need more quality. As if to say, the guys you've given me aren't really good enough. That needs to change this January, Patrick, or we're in trouble. Because you know what Brendan's like? Uh, he promised to be here for three years and all the rest of it. If he's not getting what he needs, if he's not getting the tools and, he, and he's going to start looking bad, worst record in the Champions League, etc., etc., then you know what's going to happen. We've, we've been in this movie before. We've seen it before. So January's massive for us, Patrick. Yeah, it's been quite an uninspiring season so far, especially when you, you're coming off the back of a treble. You've got loads of money. Uh, box office manager, Premier League manager. Um, <clears throat> you know, we lose. lose two players bringing a a big fee for those two players and you know all of a sudden it's it's been totally underwhelming and we're now talking about the manager walking away because the players are all terrible and you know I was quite concerned about Taylor uh, you mentioned him there with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He only really played well under Ange. And even under Ange, it took him a wee while to get used to that system. Because for the first two years, the first year, obviously, it's curtailed in March the season. But he struggled to get in the team ahead of Johnny Hayes and Bolingoli. I mean, that's where Greg Taylor was at when we signed him. Yeah. And then the second season, he plays a lot more. But, it's, you know, the COVID season, disaster, everyone's playing terribly. So he's only really had a good, you know, it's, 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 I say 18 months, but he's only really played well under Ange. And we're seeing now he's been absolutely dreadful. I mean, he played those two games for Scotland. He was woeful. Um, so, you know, I, I've been saying for a while, I think we can quite easily upgrade that left-back spot. Uh, Burnaby definitely isn't the man to do it. I, I was quite keen to give Burnaby time last season, but he's absolutely nowhere near the team. Uh, he's not been, he's not had a, a great game for Celtic so far. He's not been on fire at any point. 
Um, and you know, Joe Hart, I agree with you at the time, you know, good signing, especially for what was it, £1 million. Great first season. Thought he was poor last season. He's got a bit better this season, but again, that corner against Motherwell at the weekend and just, you know, we were allegedly looking to play out from the back. He's not the best at distribution uh, and he's also not the greatest shot stopper. So, and again, another area that we can definitely improve. And then you look at the squad and you're talking about the bench and, you know, you can you can talk about injuries, but how many of our players are actually good enough for this level? As you say, I, I thought before the season started, you're maybe looking at five or six, but with Alistair Johnson's form falling off the, the edge of a cliff, and if you're not getting service to Kyogo, I mean, if we're talking about physicality, right, O'Neill and Strachan, I think, done well because their teams had a lot of physical, tall players. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the way football works now, everyone's trying to play with the ball at their feet. So Celtic are in this position where we're trying to play with the ball at our feet domestically. But when we go to Europe, we're totally outstrengthened and outfought and we're small compared to a lot of teams. So you're trying to play with the ball at your feet, but when you go into Europe, you're trying to be more physical and you can't sign players who are both of those things because players who are both of those things all play for Man City and Bayern Munich. You know, there's very few players who can play sort of sexy passing football, but also are six foot three, six foot four. So, you know, we need to, we we need to have a clear understanding of where we're going, what type of team we want to be. But as you say, Patrick, <clears throat> you make a good point, and again, other people have made it, and the. The issue with the old-style managers was they still had that old-style thought in their head. First thing is, be difficult to beat. Mm-hmm. Now, we mm-hmm. seem to have lost sight of that completely. And again, that doesn't apply to us. I know it's difficult because it doesn't apply to us really in the league. Mm-hmm. But in Europe, you're building a team that's going to do anything in Europe. The first thing is, you've got to make yourselves difficult to beat. And we are not difficult to beat and we can't score. So <clears throat> neither of those things uh, apply. But, you know, again, as you pointed out, that we've had teams before that could do that uh, and they might not have been the, the you know silky smooth, but they were big units and they were capable and they were hard to play against uh, and they had occasional stars sprinkled in there. You don't need every one of your team to be a 10 out of 10 if they can get their job done. Uh, if they can disrupt other players, uh, if, if they can stop the balls getting played through, you know, whatever it is, if it's going to be destructive or constructive, uh, as long as you're not a liability, and that's the other thing as well, I mean, we cannot hold on to the ball, we, we, you know, since Ange's, we just can't hold on to the ball. You know, and, and Brendan's trying to have his plain possession to keep the ball, <clears throat> uh, to keep the ball as a form of defence, as a form of you know, taking a break. And that's grand. But as soon as we play it forward, it comes bouncing back. You know, it's, we cannot hold on to it in the dangerous areas. Um, so it's, it's difficult to know where to go. But, as you, you know, historically, this team does not compare well. And f- ironically, we had this conversation last week when we were comparing, you know, the, the old teams against new teams. And yeah. I said, I, I said, that's not even an argument. You know, they, they would get bodied about. And if there was ever... A demonstration of that. Uh, it's last night. Um, they're just they, we don't we don't have the physical. We have a deficit in athleticism as well as skill. Uh, a significant deficit in athleticism, uh, which is a problem because that can make up for a lack of skill to a great degree. Uh, but like you know that as you pointed out as well, Paddy. You know you've, we've got problems starting from the goalkeeper. And going all the way through. If you want to pick holes in the, you know, you can be positive about players, uh, and we usually are, uh, and I try to be very much so positive about individual players. But the the bottom line is, if you're going through that lineup individually, it's very easy to level criticisms at everybody, every single player, fairly obvious weaknesses. Uh, so. You know, we're just not good enough here. And it's not, as I said right at the start, it's not the players' fault. They are simply not good enough. You know, last word on recruitment then. Um, Matt Lowell comes in, uh, and that was in Ange Postacoglu's third transfer window, right? <laughs> and that's where the, the hit weight started to dip, you know, because the second transfer window was Matt O'Reilly, Maeda, Hitati, Idiguchi, 
Uh, the first one, obviously, was wider with Jota and, and, and Cat Vickers coming in on low and Starfelt, Abada. So the first two transfer windows had to be good and they were, and the hit rate was really high. Matt Lowell comes in, Paddy, and he's the guy that uh, was questioned, um, the AGM, sorry, that, that Nicholson was questioned about. Um, how was he recruited? And the answer that was given was Ange wanted him. It was Ange's man. He had he'd worked well with him at the City Group. And uh, 10 months into a 12-month rolling contract, they bowed down to Angie's demands. By the way, at that time, no one was arguing with Angie, right? Everybody was on the, the Angie boss. And he gets his man, and Matt Lowell comes in. What if, though, we're now in a scenario, Paddy, where the new gaffer is quite clearly unhappy with the quality, that's the word he keeps using, of the players that are coming to the club? Do we just as quickly move Matt Lowell on as we were uh, keen to get him in the door, Paddy? Or are we in a situation, like John alluded to, where he's feeding into this um, clique within the Celtic boardroom, where it's going to be impossible to get rid of anybody of your name's Lowell or Desmond? The only thing I would say to that is, right, if, if Brendan Rodgers has got full veto to all the transfers, all he has to say is say no. I don't want this guy, I don't want that guy, I don't want that guy. And then when people start asking questions why the recruitment isn't happening, never mind why is it so poor, then they can go ahead and say, well, the guys that I'm, I'm being told to sign just done the good enough. And I think the Celtic fans would probably get on board with that better than just signing absolute dross and hoping that you stick 10 pictures up on a dartboard and throw one and hope one sticks. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that seems to be the recruitment policy right now. We sent eight players in the summer, and I include a lot as a permanent signing on that. How many can you say has been a success? How many, really? I, 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 I mean, Palmer, Palmer, Palmer and... but, but before, but before, um, I think the Atletico game, even Palmer was struggling at the start of the season. Thiago Holmes shows flashes, um, but more often than not, just fails. He failed against Motherwell. I just don't understand why, if if the recruitment is or, or the players that are getting presented to Rodgers are so bad, all he has to say is say no. I don't want these players, and then he would have a, he would have a legitimate reason for saying the quality that I have got isn't good enough, and then he can start talking about well these are the targets that I mean does he have any names that he's got? Surely he must have a a plethora of names in his wee black book that he could go. Do you know what that player doing there isn't he playing well? This other player, surely he's got a list of people of players for England. And an could, ah, definitely. He must have. So yeah. can it just be solely down to Mark Lowell and the recruitment team? I thought the job of a manager was to highlight the fishes in your team, tell 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 the guys who you want, and then you decide whether or not you want to sign them or not. You don't just. Uh, how many, it'd be interesting to know actually right before I finish off. It'd be interesting to know how many players did they actually knock back to sign this summer? There couldn't have been many, because if you're signing eight at the rate Rogers signed when he signed, I think it was in the middle of June, maybe towards the end of June, Rogers signed. He started bringing in players pretty much straight away. I and mean, then to get eight players in before the season starts, you're talking, what, six weeks? When you think about how much negotiating you'd need, you'd need to do, especially when you're going to places like Korea, yes, Japan, mm-hmm. that doesn't take, that, that takes longer than weeks. That's that You're talking months, months of negotiating, months of scouting, looking at how, the strengths these players have got. So you're not telling me that Rogers sat there and identified the eight players to say they're the eight players I want to strengthen the team. I know. Because that's, that, that's what he's telling us. So yeah. I've got to take him can, as well. Can I, just, can I just say there as well? It's I just can't let it pass. There was everything I could do not to jump in. Peter Lowell and Mike Nicholson <clears throat> must think we all come up the Clyde in a fucking banana boat. So you telling me that of all the guys in the world that, in, that are in those jobs, Mark Lowell was the guy. It was Ange's guy, was it? Ange worked with him at City Group, did he? Aye, that great. Do you know, Mark Lowell wasn't doing this job for Fitty Group. He was doing a different job. So, what is it exactly? Oh, Celtic, I've got his internet connection. They have pulled the plug. They've pulled the plug on John Hughes. I knew this was going to happen, John. Yeah, you're back. You're back. (laughs) Did Peter Lowell get me? (laughs) Yeah, so I was just saying, I mean, again, it's just... Taking us for fools, taking us for idiots to think that we are going to believe that. It is not credible to say that, you know, because he wasn't doing this job. 
So what was Ange liked about the fact, liked about him as a head of recruitment? Because he wasn't a head of recruitment. He was doing a different job. So it's just not plausible. Uh, and maybe they thought he would come with a big database. And to your point, Paddy, the problem I think Brendan has and why Brendan was happy with the way you know, the setup was, because I don't think Brendan does have a black boot. But every single player that he's been looking at since he was at Leicester all those years, we wouldn't be able to afford any of them. And the ones that we could afford, you wouldn't want. You know, so I, I'm not sure he has a network or a, you know, a, again, a, a, a black book full of, full of names. I, I don't think that's what he was bringing to the table. He certainly wasn't bringing what Ange brought, which was an extensive knowledge of the world game and uh, players that presented value for money. But he I must mean, have something, When was the last time his Leicester manager will he to worry about value for money? You know, you're yeah, signing guys right. for 50 million, 100 million. He has the value for money. Just sign them. You know, it's just, it's, it's, it's funny money. It's monopoly money. You know, so, uh, yeah. And again, but that whole Mark Lowell thing, uh, it was Angus, man. A wiggy go. A wiggy go. Absolutely. I'm going to point it out here because it's 42 minutes in. And the reason we're talking about these deep rooted issues is because we want the best for, for Celtic. You know, I remember when Axrom started talking during the pandemic season uh, with a negative slant, or it was it was described as a negative slant in relation, or a critical slant in relation to Celtic recruitment and the board. And it took a while for people to get used to that because they, they felt, why are you criticising Celtic? You can't be a Celtic fan if you're criticising the club. No, we want the best for what, what Celtic um, can possibly um, succeed in when it comes to European football, we want the best when it comes to value for money, when it comes to signing, because let's be honest, it's the season tickets and the merchandise that Celtic fans are buying that um, is resulting in us being in such a, a shrewd um, uh, financial position at this stage. Now, I'm going to I'm going to say one other thing. Whenever I speak to anybody who's got any connection to Celtic, I'm a sponge and I want to find out as much as I possibly can. And I remember having a discussion. This was during uh, Brennan Rogers' first time in charge. And I was being told about how he worked when it came to recruitment and scouting and all this. And, and the guy worked, you know, every single thing was explored. He, he left no stone unturned. Every single player, this is go back to Paddy's point earlier, every single player was scrutinised before they came to the club. And then I, I just didn't get the same impression in the summer there that that's what had happened. It was almost like, get the bodies in, get the bodies in. Yeah. I mean, Quan. Who else was on that shortlist that Quan was the best of the three or four players on the shortlist? Come on, right? Because I, I wouldn't like to see their standard. But there was a change. There was a change in his in, in his approach where he had almost checked out, if you like, where maybe he was sick of the, the, the setup and he was being presented or with various players, uh, scouting reports, and he was no longer interested because he said they're not good enough, Paddy. So we've been here before. We've been here before, and I don't want us to go there again with Brendan Rodgers, because actually, I think Brendan Rodgers was the best coach, the best appointment we could possibly have made after Ange Postecoglou. That's my view on it. It may change depending on results or if our performance doesn't get any better. But he said one transfer window, and I don't buy the fact that it was his transfer window. I think his first real transfer window is going to be coming in January. I want to talk about ambition, right? I'm going to start with you, uh, Patrick McGilp. Um we have heard that the uh, Dermot Desmond shares will go down to his son, Ross, and they'll never leave the family, right? And that's given to us with an assurance that we're safe, right? They tell us that so that we think, oh, we're safe, that's fine. There's a culture within Celtic that if you start questioning uh, the way the club is run, there's always this, ah, but look what happened on the other side of the city, right? And there's almost like an over-cautious nature when it comes to the point where we take it to a point and it's looking good and then we draw back and we actually get worse. And I think it happened in Brendan Rodgers' first time in charge. Um, it's difficult to argue that it happened to Ange because he won a treble in his second season. And if we had started criticising the recruitment policy last season, we'd have been criticised for it. But we're looking at it now, Patrick, and we're looking at a culture where it's an echo chamber. They do not want to be questioned. And I mentioned last night, and they've got a wee bit of traction on the comments section, uh, about a journalist who had tried and tried and tried to get an interview with Dermot Desmond. And he never, ever got past the first bit. 
I mean, the minute you start to get into the uh, the red tape of having to contact a manager or a, a personal assistant, you've had it. You need a contact who can give you their number or their email address, and you've got to go direct, or you just never get it. There was a, an opportunity for him um, because he knew that he was that uh, Desmond was going to be at a particular business that he ran on a particular day, and he got through to him. He got through the wire, and he's got Dermot Desmond on the end of the phone, and he's tried 17 times, say, to try and get an interview, and he's never got it. And he wants to talk to Dermot Desmond about his ambitions for Celtic going forward, the future. And he says to him, his first question, Patrick, right, was tell me how many trophies I've won or Celtic have won during my time at Celtic. And the guy floundered. He couldn't give him the answer, and therefore he didn't get his interview. But what he was getting told there is, don't you question me, look at my success. And this is what it comes down to. I, I was speaking to somebody very close to the club not that long ago, and I was asked the question, what do you know about recruitment, Paul? So th this is the attitude. <laughs> this is the attitude that they've got. It's almost like, shut up, stand in line. We're, we're lucky to be in Europe. Don't complain about it. It could be a lot, lot worse. Do any of them know about recruitment? Clearly well, not. Just a matter of interest. Because it would be great Clearly if one not. of them did. You know, can I just point out uh, one thing before, sorry, Paul John, I just have to say this. We now have two executives who individually, individually are paid more than the First Minister of Scotland, the Prime Minister and the Chancellor combined. Right? Scary. So Mike Nicholson, what is seven hundred and seventy-seven thousand? Chris Mackay's five hundred and fifty odd thousand. You know, and these are benchmarked apparently against uh, other uh, other uh, similar companies. And we are being told that by Peter Lobel, who I, I suppose we should be grateful for small mercies, took three and a half million. In, what was it two thousand and eighteen? With a turnover of 84 million. He took a three and a half million pay packet, you know. So I suppose we should be grateful we're not paying them that. But these are extraordinary sums of money. You know, and I saw someone patronizing you in one of the shows there the other week saying, Oh, look, all the Harvard business graduates, you know, <laughs> uh, talking about business. So you just let them deal with And you know, the worst thing about that is who do you think these guys are? Dermot Desmond's the only one. Uh, that I would doff my cap to in terms of his capability. Peter Lowell is an accountant. Mike Nicholson's an accountant that went to St. Aloysius. My brother's an accountant. My, my brother's a lawyer that went to St. Aloysius. Or one's a doctor that went to St. Aloysius. You think I can't hold my own in a conversation with these people? You know, you think we're all intellectually bereft? They did not start this business. All they are is guys that come in and work their way up to a decent level. These are not entrepreneurs. These are functionaries in an already existing successful business. So they are taking huge amounts of money out of the company. Uh, and for what? For what? Because I reckon you go in there and you're, you know, with Celtic ticking over. And it's the fans, they're saying it's because of the chief executive. No, it's not happening by accident. You know, that these things are happening, you know, that we're doing so well. It's because of the fans we're doing so well. The fans pump an absolute fortune into the, into the company, into the club. It's the fans that are funding this. They don't have some sort of... What what, uh, what uh, initiatives have uh, Lowell or uh, Mike Nicholson, what initiatives have they uh, generated that have brought huge amounts of income into the club? What new things are we doing that we weren't doing before? That you know, creating this increase in revenue. That's all the fans. The fans forking over huge amounts of money for tickets, forking over huge amounts of money for merch, forking over huge amounts of money to travel. You know, and you know they 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 are taking the plaudits and the pats on the back uh, because they're sitting there bean counters. You know, counting the gold coming in to to make it that their pile bigger. And you know, what do we get for that? What do we get for that? You get scenes like you got last night, guys travelling away, uh, don't even get to see the game. You've got a ticket for the game, you get treated that poorly at the ground, uh, or treated with such disrespect that essentially yeah, there's guys watching it in the pub. That's fine, yeah. that's maybe not Celtic's fault, you know, but there's guys watching it in the pub because they couldn't get into the game till well after half time, so they just gave up and went somewhere to actually watch it. 
Um, but people are getting treated like that all over Europe. And the one thing that we're not getting, they don't even get to see a decent performance. They don't even get to see a decent game. They don't even get to see a quality player uh, because these guys are so busy patting themselves in the back. And we've now got non-executive directors. Sorry, just, I mean, it has to be said. We've got now non-executive directors that have gone up from £25,000 for six meetings a year to £40,000. 40,000 a pot for six meetings a year. That's a 62.5% increase in what they're getting paid. And what Lawwell isn't saying is his is 80 grand a year for the same thing. They get first class travel all over Europe. Um, they get feted wherever they go. Uh, and you've got the likes of, you know, you can be damn sure that none of them missed the game last night. So, you know, it's just. What are these guys bringing to the club that warrants that level of remuneration? I'm yes, sorry, what? but you know, be, being a glorified accountant does not does not mean that you are due seven hundred and seventy seven thousand. And Mike Nicholson's a lovely guy, you know. He, he is. A, he's a great. He, you know, he's a, he's a lovely fella. My dealings with him, he's a lovely fella. But Lowell's a nice man as well. But these are things. You know, it's not about being a nice man. You know. What are they bringing? Can they point to one thing that wasn't just the club's merch, you know, and the fans putting all the money in that they brought to the club, the initiatives that they brought that generated more income that justifies a pay packet that size? You're right, John. But you're you know taking taking the, uh, the the merch as an example, taking the the Celtic kit as an example. Every time we do a new deal, <coughs> it's always bigger than the last one, right? So we do a deal with Adidas, and it was bigger than one than the one with New Balance, which was bigger than the one with Nike, which was bigger than the one with Ombro. And like you say, you get big, massive plaudits for the guy that done the deal. John, any one of us could do that deal. Celtic are a sellable brand globally to the point where it's not that difficult to sell the fact that you're going to be selling millions of jerseys worldwide with the green and white hoops on them. The fact that they got the design it so badly shows you um, where they are when it comes to merchandise. You're right. It's not because of their um, ability as marketeers to get a good deal for Celtic when it comes to a kit deal with Adidas. That That's because of the Celtic brand and the fact that Celtic fans worldwide are going to buy the product. It's nothing to do with the guy sitting in the meeting. The deal's going to get done and the deal's always going to be a multi-million pound deal. But these are the, the big things. Do you think there is an issue? Because we're talking about ambition of the board, Patrick. An issue with the culture where there's an echo chamber and people like us and people like those last night who didn't even get in the game that travel to every away game in Europe and are cattled in and kettled in rather like cattle, kettled in like cattle. Um, and, you know, there's there's really a, a, an attitude now where it's almost an us and them. We've got the situation rumbling on with the Green Brigade, Patrick, and it feels as though there's a disconnect between where the club think we are and where we could be and where we as supporters think we could be. Yeah, I think there is. And, you know, I sort of worry how long they think this can go on for. Because, you know, 15 games without a win in the Champions League, right? Six years ago, we won a game. Since we won a game at home, it's been, what, 10 years? So we've all stumped up the money. We've all went along to the game. And, you know, we, we, you know, people like Natasha and Declan all go abroad and uh, go to these European away games. And you're treated, as you say, like cattle by the police. And the game is always the worst part of it. It's always it's always the worst part of the trip. And you ask yourself, what's the point? Next season, right? So in the in the thirty two teams that are played in the Champions League this year, we are third worst. So we're thirty out of thirty two. So if you take that into next season, we're going to be what thirty first out of thirty six, roughly. Uh, so you're not going to get that, that fifth home game. So you're going to play the four games, they're going to be absolutely rotten. You're going to pay two hundred pounds for the pleasure and what does do the board think that we can just recycle this every single year? I seen a thing in the BBC. I think it was this morning or last night. Uh, we actually charge the highest away ticket of all Champions League teams. We charge sixty nine pounds for away fans. Now, to be fair, they are guaranteed a win when they come to Celtic Park, so they're actually getting value for money when that's sixty nine pound. <laughs> the board are delivering for the away supporters uh, at Celtic Park. Um, if only we could pay 70 quid to guarantee three home wins. But anyway, um, you know, I, I, I really don't know how this is sustainable. As much as we've got loads of money in the bank and, you know, I like to think we're going to win the league. But even coming down to that, if it wasn't for a brilliant Aberdeen result at the weekend, we're back in a title race. You know, Dermot can, Dermot can talk to these journalists about, oh, well, you know, how much have I won? 
you get 180 grand for winning the League Cup. That's not a, that's not an achievement. We play four games. When we don't win that, it's a failure. You know what I mean? And you know we're out the League Cup. We're out of Europe. Uh, we we haven't won a game yet. You know, poor again in Europe. You're you're in a title race against a, a poor Rangers side. Um, and then you've got the Scottish Cup as well. So, I mean, this could be a really underwhelming season. And then next year it's going to be, we want 550 quid for a season ticket. We want £200 for the Champions League. Here's a jersey for £80. And, uh, and the Christmas one. ad is now totally... And another one. The, the, I know. The Christmas ad is now totally full of merchandise. There's no... I mean, it's a decent ad, but it's all about shop the ad. I mean, we're getting emails and texts. Please buy ad. more yeah. stuff. Yeah. I, 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 we're just treated like a sort of bottomless pit of cash and then you know they are, I think the the wages of the non-execs are uh, benchmarked on profit and cash and bank and all that so the more cash they have the more they get paid and we're not spending this on anything okay. as we've discussed the youth system's an absolute failure but we're ploughing was it uh, over 11 million into Barrafield um, a, a facility by the way which won't you can't play UEFA matches there we, it won't meet um UEFA protocol to play youth games and women's Champions League games, so it's only for training. We're yeah. ploughing fifteen million into a training centre. You know, it, how how long do they think this can go on? Where we're just going to stump up well over a grand every season to sit and watch the same season over and over again? Well, you were saying there that some of the Axon team go abroad and they do the European away days and Declan and Natasha JP yeah. were all there last night, but there, there is a, a different uh, kind of reaction last night apparently from the way that the fans were treated and uh, whether or not there's going to be a willingness to continue to plough that level especially at this day and age uh, Patrick where times are hard you know we're we're all facing hardship when it comes to to the finances I'm going to bring this up right because I'm not going to sit here and say that um, your man was the the be all and end all Dominic Mackay was going to come in and sort everything out I'm not going to say that at all nobody's going to know He, he lasted something like 72 days but you brought it up, love it. The rugby guy jumped ship quickly. Why? Because he asked difficult questions, because he wasn't part of the echo chamber, because he was a new face with new ideas, uh, a diversity of thought that didn't match uh, the culture that exists and existed at the football club. That's my take on it anyway. Uh, Paddy, sometimes you need a diversity of thought and ideas, somebody to come in that, that bucks the trend. But it seems as though if you do that at Celtic, you won't last long. Aye, it doesn't, it doesn't really bode well for the future. And i tell you something, if, if if we don't win this league this year and we hand £60 million across the city, there should be hell to pay. And, and the way it's looking now, the way the, the, the form of the team is, it, it doesn't look likely that it's not guaranteed we're going to, we're going to win that league. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm just totally perplexed by the whole situation. Where is the club going? Where do they think they're going? Um, there's so many, I don't know, f- things that, that, that needs fixed. To think we're sitting here talking about this for a year ago, for where we were, talking about strength of a position, eh, can't offer a position of strength with Brendan Rodgers coming in. It's actually laughable where we're sitting right now. Actually yeah. laughable. Um <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even have an answer or or how we can take it forward. I don't get paid eight hundred grand a year to do that. So um, maybe maybe they shouldn't. I could help. Um, we're, but we're in the position, Paddy, as you point out. We we are in a serious race here because apart from anything else, apart from anything else, we're going to have no strikers. I know for weeks, weeks. Yep. And it used Unless. to be, oh, we, we, we put Maeda in, or Maeda can play back up. Uh, Abada can play back up. Well, they can't now. Well, one John, of them's I, going to be away. I'm of the know. opinion that we, we might not lose Kyogo because his form is so poor for us. I think he won't get picked. So we, may, we might be all right. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Job done. That's, that's there is a chance. That's just one point. in January. <laughs> one point before we go. Uh, a thousand strong watching live. Brilliant. Great to see uh, the amount of comments coming through. It's a frustrating time. And, you know, we, we can't get through all the comments during a one-hour show. Obviously, we've got four contributors as well. Thank you all for getting involved, and you know we, we'll probably do a wee a few more shows in the next month or so where it's just me bringing up the comments, just so that everybody gets a say in it. But when you're talking about youth development and pumping more money into uh, a facility, Patrick, we've got a player. I'm going to go back to it. We've got a player in Rocco Vata who's now got interest from Inter Milan. If uh, reports have to be believed, what if Inter Milan signed the boy, right, and he's good enough for them? 
Yet we've brought in Marco Tilio from Australia, who's played one minute of football, albeit some of the time he was out injured. That shows you that it's broken, doesn't it? What we are producing, there's no pathway to the first team. I think the last player that's broken through and played any number of games is probably Stephen Welsh. But, you know, he made his debut during the pandemic season. So we're now four years down the line. Where's the next wave of players coming through? They're not there. They're not there. Ange Postacoglu gave Rocco Vata a few games. That was it. Brendan Rodgers hasn't given him a minute of football. So that's broken. And that's it's not just about having a tradition of rearing your own. I think it needs to happen as a necessity that we rear our own players. I mean, the, the minutes that I've given you there on some of the new signings are deplorable. They're not even, as you say, John, 900 minutes, which is the benchmark before you can actually make a call on a player. None of the guys I mentioned, seven players that were spent big money on, have played 900 minutes, which is only 10 games of football. It's ridiculous, uh, the scenario we find ourselves in. There's a complacency. But when we were speaking about it during the pandemic season, we got stick. Um, People at the club aren't happy, but we can't just sing from the same hymn sheet. We can't toe the party line. We can't become Pravda. We need to speak um, the truth and how we're feeling as football fans. The contribution from all threes has been tremendous, as has the comment section. Thank you, every single one of you, for getting involved. Um, It's been an absolute... uh, Pleasure, actually, today uh, to get quite a few things off our chest. Um, Paddy did seem perplexed when you were talking earlier on, Paddy, by the way. You could hear it in your voice, mate. It's it's emotional and it's coming from the heart. So thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Uh, Join us again tomorrow at 12.30 for another instalment of All Things Celtic. Thank you to Patrick McGill, Paddy Sinnott and John Hughes for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Here we are. Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.